I'm so happy to be here, but I must tell you, I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad because, you see, today is a a very special day. It is Steve Tandy's birthday. And I had a whole cake baked. I had a present. I was going to come up and give him a big, ridiculous hug, share my feelings with him. And I knew he would love that. But that rascal, he decided that he was going to one up. He didn't want to deal with the the adoration and the praises of your happy birthday and all of that. So he just left. He and his family, he and Miss Cindy went down to Georgia and went on vacation. And I thought, I'm just so bummed. I mean, how am I going to tell him happy birthday? You know, I wish there was some way with technology or something, we could <laughs> sort of beam ourselves to him collectively. I'm getting a cue from back in this. You got, you got some help? Oh, okay. Um, they told me, what's this? It's a magical code. You type this in your phone. And so I want you, while I'm telling this next story, you have my full permission to use your Bibles, your phones in texting mode. I'd like you to send a happy birthday text to Steve and wish him well. He's uh, he's served the congregation here faithfully for so many years, not just as the full time pulpit minister, but of course, uh, just being the son of Lewis and Anne and and growing up with us and all of the time and the hours that he has spent And I want to introduce him to what is called a text bomb. (laughs) I'm imagining somewhere in Georgia right now, he's sitting in worship or some church, and what is this foolishness? I hope you will take advantage of that and uh, and do, really, honestly and truly, wish him the happiest uh, 76th birthday that he's ever had. (laughs) It is, uh, you know, the odds are against him now. So I uh, just wish him the best. And, and uh, let's see if we can get three or four hundred texts going his way. While you're doing that, I want to tell you a story. The story is very simple. I love going to the dentist. Now, how many of you can raise your hand and say you love going to the dentist? A few say this out there. All right. I love going to the dentist. You know, you get the free toothbrush and and the the extra floss and all of that. But really why I love going to the dentist is because my dentist is enamored with my teeth. Uh, Every time I go there, and and this is no exaggeration for, for story effect, okay? I sit in the chair and I open my mouth and the reaction is, oh, Mr. Levering. These are wonderful teeth. She'll ask me, have you ever had any any braces? And I'll say no. I'll say, well, I mean, sorry, I'll say, uh, uh. just say, have you ever had any cavities? I don't see any fillings here, uh, uh, which is translation for no. She said, these are the most perfect teeth. She'll bring in other hygienists to show me at you, uh, uh, do that whole thing. Look at these teeth. They're wonderful. Boy, I don't even mind paying the bill after you leave at a dentist appointment like that. When you are at a place where you don't really need a lot of help, going to a place that gives help makes you feel pretty good about yourself. 
But my wife, my wife has the opposite feeling. Christy has always, always hated the dentist. And I can't, you know, I can't, I, I don't know, maybe she's just not living right or something. <laughs> she just always had teeth problems and mouth problems and going has always been a horrific experience. So I tell you that short story about the dentist to tell you this. Some people feel about church like I feel about the dentist. And some people feel about the church like Christy feels about the dentist. When you're doing all right, when you're living life pretty good, when you feel like you got it under control, church seems like, you know, got my stuff together. I'm doing all right. But when you got problems and issues and consequences in your life, church usually is the last place you want to be. And, and we're going to talk about that this morning as we delve into the, the scripture from Matthew chapter 9. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, he said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Church should be a place for sick people. But I find that oftentimes it's really difficult to be honest about your sickness at church. We feel like it's a place where we need to have it all together. And, and we feel like we, we just can't even open up about the things which we really struggle with. So you see so brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so at church, and you say, How you doing, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? And what is the response? Most of the time you'll always get, I'm fine. I wish things were fine, but, you know, we're not as fine as we look. I have good news for you this morning. Church is designed to be a place that's there to help you. Whether you're pretty healthy already or whether you are really, really sick. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. This won't be on your screen. You can look it up. The scripture says about Jesus, the prophecy of Isaiah, where it says a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What a beautiful vision, visual for who Jesus was. A bruised reed, something that's, that's not as strong as the regular reeds, but not quite fully broken. A smoldering wick, a candle that's not fully glowing, fully on fire, but it's almost going out. It's just smoldering. And the picture is with both of those that Jesus will not come to those situations and do any more harm. He wants his church to be like a hospital, a place where people who are sick go and a place where people who need mercy attend. Here's an interesting thought. Righteous people do not need Jesus. Righteous people do not need Jesus. If you can be 100% fully sinless and righteous, you do not need Jesus. And there will be a lot of people who have tried, who just try to live religion in such a way I can keep so many rules and keep all the rules perfectly and keep my version of the rules, and then I can almost be righteous. But people who can't keep the rules, people who have broken too many rules... Where do they fit? Well, the truth is, none of, them, none of us have kept them perfectly. We all need 
to go to the hospital at some point. We all need the love and the mercy of Christ. When I think about this, I always think of my, my grandmother Moore who passed away a few years ago. And grandma was, uh, well, my mom is a nurse. And my mom always said that grandma, her mom, said that grandma Moore was always a nurse. She just never had the license. She took care of so many people. She invited so many people into her home. She, put, she cared for many people right up until their dying day. And what made Grandma good about caring? What made Grandma good about caring is that she always accepted, loved, and welcomed those that she cared for. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. The truth is, if I'm very honest, I'm a lot like how people treated the leper. I'm, I'm those people going, uh, could you go somewhere else, please? I'm, I'm a, naturally a person who shies away from disgusting, messy people. A couple of weeks ago, my, my children and my wife were sick, and we were at home, and... Um, they were all sick with this, you know, sort of mystery disease. I don't know if it was Ebola or whatever it was. And I was quarantining myself in the bedroom. And Christy would come in there and I would get mad at her. Stop! I don't need to be sick. And then I thought about how serious of a condemnation that was on me. Because the church ought to be a place that loves sick people. I ought to be the type of person who not just loves physically sick people, but spiritually sick people as well. The lesson of Matthew chapter 8 when Jesus touched the leper was that he was willing to show him compassion. Matthew records that he touched the leper. He offered him care, not condemnation. And uh, when we think about being a church... That we ought to be certainly ought to be a place where the sick and the wounded go, but a church also ought to be because I will dare say that there are places, churches you can go to where they almost revel in sickness. I mean, come on, come on, everybody come, everybody come, everybody's welcome. And we just they just revel in sick people, but they don't ever go beyond that. In fact, the church at Corinth the Apostle Paul chastised them. He said, you are proud because you've been, you're so tolerant. You're so open-minded. You've, you've allowed this sin to come into your church. And maybe that's the church they ought to be, but you shouldn't be a church that accepts sickness and just doesn't deal with it. You turn to 1 John, verse that's on your screen, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. The Apostle John says... If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Man, that is, that is convicting. I mean, we talk a lot about being a scriptural church. But John says, if you cannot be honest about your illness, 
your word, the word of God is not in you. When you open up the word of God, it should convict you and tell you, you know, here's some things in your life that aren't right. And then when you come to that conviction, you have to take one step further and not just be convicted, not just feel sorry about it, but actually do something. I have the picture of the child swallowing his medicine because that's the world I was in when Christy and Tyler and Grace were sick. And we had all these medicines lined out on the counter. And when it came time to take the medicine, it was that same reaction. Oh, I don't want to take my medicine. And I'd say, Christy, you've got to stop crying about it. It's going to make you better. But the medicine is what makes us better and is ultimately what's good for us. And the word of God is that healing medicine, which is why a church, thirdly, secondly, I'm sorry, ought to be a place where remedies are sought. In John chapter 5, if you'll turn there, there's a story of a man who is an invalid, one version of Scripture says. He is unable to move. And as it is in John chapter 5, sometime later, Jesus, this verse 1, went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is a... In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic, called Bethsaida, Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? A church where remedies are sought ought to be a place where we ask people all the time, do you want to get well? Because there's a difference between being sick and remaining sick. There's a difference between being inundated with illness and choosing that you are going to get better, that you're going to take the treatments necessary to improve in your health. You may go to a doctor, you may go see a pharmacist, but it comes down to that initial question, the most important question that Jesus asked and that we should ask of ourselves and others who we serve. Do you want to get well? Well, after 38 years, you would think the answer would be obviously yes, but not always the case. Not always the case. Not everyone who is sick wants to get well. Sometimes people are just, they just take that on as their identity. And so when we as a church decide we're going to be a place where remedies are sought, we have to be a church that asks, do you want to get well? Do you want the healing power of God and his word to come in and heal your life? Do you want to get well? And then, of course, he makes an excuse, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool and the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead. He makes all these excuses as people who are prone to sick sometimes do. And finally, Jesus just says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. You don't go to the hospital or the doctor's office and go in and they say, what well, seems to be the problem today? And you say, well, I'm I'm fine. I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Better than I deserve. You see, there comes a time when you go to the hospital and the doctor's office just because it's, first of all, I guess it's so expensive. 
It's a waste of time and resources to go to a place for healing and beat around the bush about your sickness. If you're going to be a church that seeks remedies, you have to ask the question, do you want to get well? We come to heal, not to stay sick. I think this is fourth on your handout. A church ought to be a place where healing occurs. What's interesting to me is that Jesus promised, Matthew chapter 28, he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, it was predicated on, if you teach them everything I have commanded you, then I will be with you to the end of the age. And yet up in church, usually what we do is we come up and we say, Lord, be with us. 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 Wait a second. He already promised he would be with us if we do and practice what he teaches. We don't have to ask him to be with us. He promises to be with us. If you're with God, you better know he is with you. And he is for you. He wants you to improve. He wants you to heal. And he wants you to get better. When you're a place where healing occurs. Now, I've got the Celebrate Recovery um, logo up there. But let me pause and say there, there are two different types of churches when it comes to Celebrate Recovery. There are churches that have Celebrate Recovery. And then there are Celebrate Recovery churches. Do you understand the difference? In one, Celebrate Recovery is a, is a, it's a ministry, it's a program. It's one of the things we do next to all the other good things we do. And here it is. And the other is, in our church, as a culture, as a people, we celebrate recovery. We celebrate when people who are sick get well. And we don't just say, well, we're over here, we're Christians, we're looking pretty good. If you've got problems, you can go Thursday night back across the foyer to the back room over there. And you can go to Celebrate Recovery. And then when you get yourself all fixed, you can come back in with the real Christians, and we're going to be good. You see the difference? Oh. I'll go, I'll go back to that in a second. Celebrate Recovery is not just a program. It ought to be a mindset within a church. Where we help people to get well. And I'm not saying you're a sinner if you don't get celebrate recovery. You're missing the point. What I'm saying is, we ought to be a church that seeks to admit when we're sick and help others who are sick on a continual basis. We ought not to be a place that says, well, we're fine, but if you've got problems, you can go to here. The truth is, we all have problems, we all have hurts. We all have hang-ups. Now, you know the story of Jesus healing the leper. I want to show you a modern-day version of that. And maybe you've seen part of this video. It's from the Glenn Beck program. And I'll just give you a little bit of history. Glenn Beck, not a radio host, but he's a recovering alcoholic. Okay, so if you could bring the, the upper fluorescent lights down, we'll watch this video. Hey, Glenn. Um, um, wanted to talk to you about um alcoholism um your faith in god um is something that i desperately need right now 
What's, um, hap- what's happening I, then? All right. Well, um, yesterday um, I lost my job because of uh, I promised myself that I would never jeopardize the kids. Um, I'm a school bus driver. Um, so I uh, told them that I was quitting. How were the kids being jeopardized? Um, because my shakes and uh, mm. uh, I was withdrawing really bad. So I, I, I what I want, what I, I guess, what I want everyone to know is how how Glenn he needs to be more. <laughs> he needs to tell more about. Um, his struggles. Uh, and I'm sorry, guys. I, I I'm 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 sorry all, that I, I I'm not. I, I'm good. Good for you for. Um, good for you for quitting. Um, and taking yourself out of the situation. Uh, are you? Uh, are are you currently? Uh, Using alcohol, or, or can yeah, you tell me your situation? Yeah, I'm actually really, I'm actually really drunk right now. Are you sincere? Yeah. Um, and how long have you been drinking? Um, I started about six o'clock this morning. How long? No, how long have you been drinking? How many years? Um, well, no, I, I just came off um, sobriety. Um, so I probably only, uh, like three months. And before that, how long have you been sober? Um, a year. So, um, do you want to be sober? Oh, oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you married, Ed? Yeah. You have any kids? You're the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> I can't understand how she puts up with me. Do you have any kids? No. How long have you been married? 15 years. How many years? 15. Does she want you to be sober? Yeah. I feel like a dope. I shouldn't have called you. <laughs> I'm glad you did, Ed. Um, have you been to an AA meeting? Yeah. Re- recently? 
Um, not recently, no. Well, you won't make it without two things. You won't make it without God, and you won't make it without AA. If you're not touched by that story, then you need to check your pulse. A church needs to be a place like that where those who are healed don't just revel in their healthiness, but they become helpers as well. If you pulled out some things from that clip, you heard Glenn ask, Are you sincere? Was he sincere? Oh, absolutely. Do you want to be sober? It was almost like Jesus asking, do you want to get well? It comes down to this, church. You are either one of two. You're either sick or you're healthy. And regardless of which state you're in, you need to do something. This morning we sang a song, Jesus knows all about our struggles. And I do believe that he does and that he cares. My question though is, is he the only one? Does Jesus set up a church as a body, as his bride, so that we might know that we are never, ever alone in our struggles? But we've got to be honest about that struggle. We've got to be willing, if, we've, 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 if we're healthy, to help others through their struggles. And, and Northside is full of people like that. I, I think of Brianne Banning and her purple wig and the hair fairy. All that they've been through. You know what Brianne did through God's power? She turned her mess into a message. And there are so many of you that have a mess as well. If you came to Jesus, that's why you did. And if you're here this morning and you haven't yet dealt with your mess, you need to come to the Messiah. And he will bring healing. And then he'll give you a new job to help others recover. To celebrate your recovery and others. But... Let me take note here, because this is where churches kind of get tricky. Morgan, I need your help for just a second. Come up here. Morgan, for all of these people, I would like you to try to pick up the songbook. No, 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 wait. You picked it up. Go ahead. Uh, sit it back down. I want, you to, I want you to try to pick up the songbook. No, no, no. Now you're... you're no. I want you to try. Don't do. I want you to try. <laughs> Have a seat. Simple illustration here. As a church, many oftentimes we get stuck in the mode of try. And Jesus calls us to do. Jesus calls us to act. I'll give you one simple example. People all throughout the week, problems and emails that you've gotten and you've talked to people in your classes. And you probably in this building today has been repeated once at least the phrase, I'll pray for you. Question for you. Why don't you just stop and pray with them? Why don't you stop promising things in the future? 
Why don't you do instead of saying I'm going to do? Church that's healthy needs to be about healing in the active sense. I give you five simple ways that you can help and then we'll be through. Number one, welcome other people. I, I want to I ask you, how many strangers did you say hello to today? Oh, I can never do that. All right, well, we're all going to stand up right now. No, I'm just kidding. Introverts hate that. Thank you, thank you. Forced fellowship doesn't work, but I want to make this point. If we're going to be a place, you know, this week we're inviting bunches of people from the community. They might even be here this morning. My question to you is, will anyone besides the people that they know say hello? Say hi. My name is Toby, or whatever your name happens to be, if you're not so fortunate. I'd like to meet you. You say, oh, I hate that because what if, what if I go up to this person and they've been going to Northside for 15 years? I'll be so embarrassed. Oh, I hate that. Listen, I'd rather that Northside be a church that errs on the side of going up and introducing themselves to longtime members than not at all. How many longtime members do you think would go home and say, can you believe the number of people that said hi to us today? We're leaving. We're going. We're out of here. No. So this morning, be a welcoming church. I'm not going to have you stand up and do it all right now. I just want to, on your own honor, before you leave today, introduce yourself to someone you don't know. And you can start out with say, well, that dorky Toby, he may just do this. So, But I want you to say, hi, my name is... and. I'm afraid I don't know you, but I'd like to know you. What's your name? And just start it out with that. Be welcoming. Second, listen. James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know how many people feel unlistened to in our world today? Too many. Third, be merciful. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I was struggling with this verse as, what is Jesus trying to teach us? And so I took my Bible to Tyler and I said, Tyler, I want you to read this verse and tell me what you what this means. So he read through it and he said, well, it sounds like Jesus wants us to be merciful. And I said, yes, I think that's right. What does that mean? He thought about it. He said, I don't know. But he said, I remember when you showed me mercy, Dad. I was like, what? Oh, it was a couple of years ago. I don't exactly remember the circumstance. But he had done something, and the just punishment for that was due to him. And I told him, I know that you are owed this punishment, but I'm not going to give it to you this time because I want to show you mercy. It was a little thing. I completely slipped my mind. But a nine-year-old, Remembers it two years later. Boy, when you show people mercy, they do remember it. It sticks with them. I know, I know we desire righteousness, but show people mercy. That's what Jesus desired. Walk beside people. Don't just, don't just enter into their lives once or twice a week. But be with them all throughout the week as Jesus was with us. Pray. And I'm not saying don't pray for sick people. You look at your handout this morning, there's lots of sick people to pray for. But I wish also 
that you would pray with people, not just for people. Pray with them. Go with them and walk beside them and pray with them. So welcome, listen, be merciful, walk beside and pray with and for. We're going to close with this verse from James chapter 2. James writes these words, uh, sorry, James chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This morning, we're going to invite you to this front row. Now, this is, in my opinion, one of the worst traditions that we have. Because so many people who are hurting and sick will stay in the pew because they don't want to march down front here and sit here in front of everybody else. If you're brave enough to do that, I call you, I beg you to do so. But if you're not, in fact, I'd really just like everyone to go ahead and rip up your handout right along the dotted line there. And I want you to put which category you're in. And if you're sick and you need help, I want you to write it down because James says, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other. The church was designed to work together, all the parts working together for healing. And too often people are suffering in silence and no one knows because no one says because church isn't a place where you bring your problems. And so instead of saying, well, if you got a problem, come on down. I just want you to fill out that piece. And now you can still come down for it if you want to. That's fine. And if you need to put on Christ in baptism, that is where healing begins. But if you need healing beyond that, come forward or fill out your little handout. And as you exit today, put them in the box. There's a box at each doorway that says sick and healthy. And I want everybody to put a piece of paper. And even if you don't fill it out, even if you're just going through the motions. Okay. Sick and healthy, come to Jesus. He calls you. He bids you. If you need prayer, if you need baptism to begin your healing in Christ, come. Won't you come as we stand and sing?